Book Six, Part Three of On the Nature of Things by Titus Lucretius Carus, translated by William Ellery Leonard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Daniel Vermont. Book Six, Part Three, Extraordinary and Paradoxical Telluric Phenomena. In chief men marvel nature renders not bigger and bigger the bulk of ocean since so vast the downrush of the waters be and every river out of every realm cometh thereto and add the random rains and flying tempests which spatter every sea and every land bedew add their own springs yet all of these unto the ocean some shall be but as the increase of a drop wherefore tis less a marvel that the sea the mighty ocean increaseth not besides sun with his heat draws off a mighty part yea we behold that sun with burning beams to dry our garments dripping all with wet and many a sea and far outspread beneath do we behold therefore however slight the portion of wet that sun on any spot culls from the level main he still will take from off the waves in such a wide expanse abundantly then further also winds sweeping the level waters can bear off a mighty part of wet since we behold oft in a single night the highways dried by winds and soft mud crusted o'er at dawn again i've taught thee that the clouds bear off much moisture too uptaken from the reaches of the mighty main and sprinkle it about o'er all the zones when rain is on the lands and winds convey the airy racks of vapour lastly since earth is porous through her frame and neighbors on the seas girdling their shores the waters wet must seep into the lands from briny ocean as from lands it comes into the seas for brine is filtered off and then the liquid stuff seeps back again and all reporeth at the river heads whence in fresh water currents it returns over the lands adown the channels which were cleft erstwhile and erstwhile bore along the liquid-footed floods and now the cause whereby athrough the throat of etna's mount such vast tornado fires outbreathe at times i will unfold for with no middling might of devastation the flamy tempest rose and held dominion in sicilian fields drawing upon itself the upturned faces of neighboring clans what time they saw afar the skyey vaults afume and sparkling all and filled their bosoms with dread anxiety of what new thing nature were travailing at in these affairs it much behoveth thee to look both wide and deep and far abroad to peer to every quarter that thou mayest remember 
how boundless is the sum of things and mark how infinitely small a part of the whole sum is this one sky of ours oh not so large a part as is one man of the whole earth and plainly if thou viewest this cosmic fact placing it square in front and plainly understandest thou wilt leave wondering at many things for who of us wondereth if someone gets into his joints a fever gathering head with fiery heat or any other dolorous disease along his members for anon the foot grows blue and bulbous often the sharp twinge seizes the teeth attacks the very eyes outbreaks the sacred fire and crawling on over the body burneth every part it seizeth on and works its hideous way along the frame no marvel this since lo of things innumerable be seeds enough and this our earth and sky do bring to us enough of bane from whence can grow the strength of maladies uncounted thus wise then we must suppose to all the sky and earth are ever supplied from out the infinite all things oh all in stores enough whereby the shaken earth can of a sudden move and fierce typhoons can over sea and lands go tearing on and etna's fires o'erflow and heaven become a flame burst for that too happens at times and the celestial vaults glow into fire and rainy tempests rise in heavier congregation when percase the seeds of water have foregathered thus from out the infinite ay but passing huge the fiery turmoil of that conflagration so sayest thou well huge many a river seems to him that erstwhile ne'er a larger saw thus huge seems tree or man and everything which mortal sees the biggest of each class that he imagines to be huge though yet all these with sky and land and sea to boot are all as nothing to the sum entire of the all sum but now i will unfold at last how yonder suddenly angered flame outblows abroad from vasty furnaces etnian first the mountain's nature is all under hollow propped about about with caverns of basaltic piers and lo in all its grottoes be there wind and air for wind is made when air hath been uproused by violent agitation when this air is heated through and through and raging round hath made the earth and all the rocks it touches horribly hot and hath struck off from them fierce fire of swiftest flame it lifts itself and hurtles thus straight upwards through its throat into high heaven and thus bears on afar its burning blasts 
and scattereth afar its ashes, and rolls a smoke of pitchy murk, and heaveth the while boulders of wondrous weight, leaving no doubt in thee that tis the heir's tumultuous power. Besides, in mighty part, the sea, there, at the roots of that same mount, breaks its old billows and sucks back its surf, and grottoes from the sea pass in below, even to the bottom of the mountain's throat. Here through, thou must admit, there go, and the conditions force the water and air deeply to penetrate from the open sea, and to outblow abroad, and to upbear thereby the flame, and to upcast from deeps the boulders, and to rear the clouds of sand. For at the top be bowls, as people there are wont to name what we at Rome do call the throats and mouths. There be besides some thing of which tis not enough one only cause to state, but rather several, whereof one will be the true. Lo, if thou shouldst espy lying afar some fellow's lifeless course, twere meet to name all causes of a death, that cause of his death might thereby be named. For prove thou mayest, he perished not by steel, by cold, nor even by poison, nor disease. Yet some what of this sort hath come to him, we know. And thus we have to say the same in divers cases. Toward the summer, Nile waxeth and overfloweth the champagne, unique in all the landscape, river soul of the Egyptians. In mid-season heats often, and oft he waters Egypt o'er, either because in summer against his mouths come those north winds which at that time of year men name the etesian blasts and blowing thus upstream retard and forcing back his waves fill him o'er full and force his flow to stop for out of doubt these blasts which driven be from icy constellations of the pole are borne straight up the river comes that river from forth the sultry places down the south, rising far up in midmost realm of day, among black generations of strong men with sun-baked skins. Tis possible, besides, that a big bulk of piled sand may bar his mouths against his onward waves, when sea, wild in the winds, tumbles the sand to inland whereby the river's outlet were less free likewise less headlong his descending floods it may be too that in this season rains are more abundant at its fountainhead because the etesian blasts of those north winds then urge all clouds into those inland parts and soothly when they're thus foregathered there, urged yonder into midmost realm of day, then, crowded against the lofty mountainsides, they're massed and powerfully pressed. Again, perchance, his waters wax, oh, far away, 
among the Ethiopians' lofty mountains, when the all-beholding sun with thawing beams drives the white snows to flow into the vales. Now come, and unto thee I will unfold, as to the birdless spots and birdless tarns, what sort of nature they are furnished with. First, as to name of birdless, that derives from very fact because they noxious be unto all birds. For when above those spots in horizontal flight the birds have come, forgetting to oar with wings, they furl their sails and with down-drooping of their delicate necks fall headlong into earth, if haply such the nature of the spots, or into water, if haply spreads thereunder birdless tarn. Such spots at Kumai, where the mountains smoke, charged with the pungent sulphur, and increased with steaming springs. And such a spot there is within the walls of Athens, even there on summit of Acropolis, beside fane of Tritonian Palace Bountiful, where never cawing crows can wing their course, not even when smoke the altars with good gifts, but evermore they flee, yet not from wrath of Pallas, grieved at that espial old, as poets of the Greeks have sung the tale, but very nature of the place compels. In Syria also, as men say, a spot is to be seen where also four-foot kinds, as soon as ever they've set their steps within, collapse, or come by its essential power, as if they're slaughtered to the under-gods. Lo, all these wonders work by natural law, and from what causes they are brought to pass, the origin is manifest. So haply let none believe that in these regions stands the gate of Orcus, nor us then suppose haply that thence the under-gods draw down souls to dark shores of Acheron, as stags, the wing-footed, are thought to draw to light by sniffing nostrils from their dusky lairs the wriggling generations of wild snakes. How far removed from true reason is this, perceive thou straight. For now I'll try to say somewhat about the very fact. And first, this do I say, as oft I've said before. In earth are atoms of things of every sort. And no, these all thus rise from out the earth. Many life-giving, which be good for food. And many which can generate disease and hasten death. Oh, many primal seeds of many things in many modes since earth contains them mingled, and gives forth discreet. And we have shown before that certain things be unto certain creatures suited more for ends of life, by virtue of a nature, a texture, and primordial shapes, unlike for kinds alike. Then, too, tis thine to see how many things oppressive be and foul to man and to sensation most malign. Many meander miserably through ears. Many in wind through the nostrils, too, 
malign and harsh when mortal draws a breath of not a few must one avoid the touch of not a few must one escape the sight and some there be all loathsome to the taste and many besides relax the languid limbs along the frame and undermine the soul in its abodes within to certain trees there hath been given so dolorous a shade that often they gender achings of the head if one but be beneath outstretched on the sward there is again on helicon's high hills a tree that's wont to kill a man outright by fetid odour of its very flower and when the pungent stench of the night-lamp extinguished but a moment since assails the nostrils then and there it puts to sleep a man afflicted with the falling sickness and foamings at the mouth a woman too at the heavy caster drowses back in chair and from her delicate fingers slips away her gaudy handiwork if haply she hath got the whiff at menstruation time once more if thou delayest in hot baths when thou art overfull how readily from stool in middle of the steaming water thou tumblest in a fit how readily the heavy fumes of charcoal wind their way into the brain unless beforehand we of water have drunk but when a burning fever or mastering man hath seized upon his limbs then odour of wine is like a hammer-blow and seest thou not how in the very earth sulphur is gendered and bitumen thickens with noisome stench what direful stenches too skeptensula outbreathes from down below when men pursue the veins of silver and gold with pickaxe probing round the hidden realms deep in the earth or what of deadly bane the mines of gold exhale oh what a look and what a ghastly hue they give to men and seest thou not or hearest how their want in little time to perish and how fail the life-stores in those folk whom mighty power of grim necessity confineth there in such a task thus this telluric earth outstreams with all these dread effluvia and breathes them out into the open world and into the visible regions under heaven thus too those birdless places must upsend an essence bearing death to winged things which from the earth rises into the breezes to poison part of skyey space and when thither the winged is on pennons borne there seized by the unseen poison tis ensnared and from the horizontal of its flight drops to the spot whence sprang the effluvium and when tas there collapsed then the same power of that effluvium takes from all its limbs the relics of its life that power first strikes the creatures with a wildering dizziness and then thereafter when they're once down fallen into the poison's very fountains then life too they vomit out perforce 
because so thick the stores of bane around them fume. Again, at times it happens that this power, this exhalation of the birdless places, dispels the air betwixt the ground and birds, leaving well nigh a void. And thither, when in horizontal flight the birds have come, forthwith their buoyancy of pennons limps all useless, and each effort of both wings falls out in vain. Here, when without all power to buoy themselves and on their wings to lean, lo, nature constrains them by their weight to slip down to the earth, and lying prostrate there along the well-nigh empty void, they spend their souls through all the openings of their frame. Further, the water of wells is colder than at summer time, because the earth by heat is rarefied, and sends abroad in air whatever seeds it peradventure have of its own fiery exhalations. The more then the telluric ground is drained of heat, the colder grows the water hid within the earth. Further, when all the earth is by the cold compressed and thus contracts and so to say concretes it happens low that by contracting it expresses then into the wells what heat it bears itself tis said at hammond's fane a fountain is in daylight cold and hot in time of night this fountain men bewonder overmuch and think that suddenly it seethes in heat by intense sun the subterranean when night with her terrible murk hath cloaked the lands what's not true reasoning by a long remove i'faith when sun or head touching with beams an open body of water had no power to render it hot upon its upper side though his high light possessed such burning glare how then can he when under the gross earth make water boil and glut with fiery heat and specially since scarcely potent he through hedging walls of houses to inject his exhalations hot with ardent rays what then's the principle why this indeed the earth about that spring is porous more than elsewhere the telluric ground and be many the seeds of fire hard by the water on this account when night with dew-fraught shades hath whelmed the earth anon the earth deep down grows chill contracts and thuswise squeezes out into the spring what seeds she holds of fire as one might squeeze with fist which render hot the touch and steam of the fluid next when sun uprisen with his rays has split the soil and rarefied the earth with waxing heat again into their ancient abodes return the seeds of fire and all the hot of water into the earth retires and this is why the fountain in the daylight gets so cold besides the water's wet is beat upon by rays of sun and with the dawn becomes rarer in texture under his pulsing blaze and therefore 
whatso seeds it holds of fire it renders up even as it renders oft the frost that it contains within itself and thaws its ice and looseneth the knots there is moreover a fountain cold in kind that makes a bit of tow above it held take fire forthwith and shoot a flame so too a pitch-pine torch will kindle and flare round along its waves wherever tis impelled afloat before the breeze no marvel this because full many seeds of heat there be within the water and from earth itself out of the deeps must particles of fire athrough the entire fountain surge aloft and speed in exhalations into air forth and abroad yet not in numbers enow as to make hot the fountain and moreo'er some force constrains them scattered through the water forthwith to burst abroad and to combine in flame above even as a fountain far there is at aradus amid the sea which bubbles out sweet water and disparts from round itself the salt waves and behold in many another region the broad main yields to the thirsty mariners timely help belching sweet waters forth amid salt waves just so then can those seeds of fire burst forth through that other fount and bubble out abroad against the bit of tow and when they there collect or cleave unto the torch forthwith they readily flash aflame because the tow and torches also in themselves have many seeds of latent fire indeed and seest thou not when near the nightly lamps thou bringest a flaxen wick extinguished a moment since it catches fire before tas touched the flame and in same wise a torch and many another object flashes a flame when at a distance touched by heat alone before tis steeped in veritable fire this then we must suppose to come to pass in that spring also now to other things and i'll begin to treat by what decree of nature it came to pass that iron can be by that stone drawn which greeks the magnet call after the country's name its origin being in country of magnesian folk this stone men marvel at and sure it oft maketh a chain of rings depending lo from off itself nay thou mayest see at times five or yet more in order dangling down and swaying in the delicate winds whilst one depends from other cleaving to underside and ilk one feels the stone's own power and bonds so overmasteringly its power flows down in things of this sort much must be made sure ere thou account of the thing itself canst give and the approaches round about must be wherefore the more do i exact of thee a mind and ears a tent first from all things we see soever evermore must flow must be discharged and strewn about about 
bodies that strike the eyes awaking sight from certain things flow odors evermore as cold from rivers heat from sun and spray from waves of ocean eater out of walls along the coasts nor ever cease to seep the varied echoings athrough the air then too there comes into the mouth at times the wet of a salt taste when by the sea we roam about and so when e'er we watch the wormwood being mixed its bitter stings to such degree from all things is each thing borne streamingly along and sent about to every region round and nature grants nor rest nor respites of the onward flow since tis incessantly we feeling have and all the time are suffered to descry and smell all things at hand and hear them sound now will i seek again to bring to mind how porous a body all things have a fact made manifest in my first canto too for truly though to know this doth import for many things yet for this very thing on which straightway i'm going to discourse tis needful most of all to make it sure that naught's at hand but body mixed with void a first example in grottoes rocks o'erhead sweat moisture and distill the oozy drops likewise from all our body seeps the sweat there grows the beard and along our members all and along our frame the hairs through all our veins disseminates the foods and gives increase and aliment down to the extreme parts even to the tiniest fingernails likewise through solid bronze the cold and fiery heat we feel to pass likewise we feel them pass through gold through silver when we clasp in hand the brimming goblets and again there flit voices through houses hedging walls of stone odor seeps through and cold and heat of fire that's wont to penetrate even strength of iron again where corslet of the sky girds round and at same time some influence of bane when from beyond tas stolen into our world and tempests gathering from the earth and sky back to the sky and earth absorbed retire with reason since there's naught that's fashioned not with body porous furthermore not all the particles which be from things thrown off are furnished with same qualities for sense nor be for all things equally adapt a first in sample the sun doth bake and parch the earth but ice he thaws and with his beams compels the lofty snows upreared white upon the lofty hills to waste away then wax if set beneath the heat of him melts to a liquid and the fire likewise will melt the copper and will fuse the gold but hides and flesh it shrivels up and shrinks the water hardens the iron just off the fire but hides and flesh made hard by heat it softens the oleaster tree as much delights the bearded she-goats verily as though twere nectar steeped and shed ambrosia 
than which is naught that burgeons into leaf more bitter food for man a hog draws back for marjoram oil and every unguent fears fierce poison these unto the bristled hogs yet unto us from time to time they seem as twere to give new life but contrariwise though unto us the mire be filth most foul to hogs that mire doth so delightsome seem that they with wallowing from belly to back are never cloyed a point remains besides which best it seems to tell of ere i go to telling of the fact at hand itself since to the varied things assigned be the many pores those pores must be diverse in nature one from other and each have its very shape its own direction fixed and so indeed in breathing creatures be the several senses of which each takes in unto itself in its own fashion ever its own peculiar object for we mark how sounds do into one place penetrate into another flavors of all juice and savor of smell into a third moreover one sort through rocks we see to seep and lo one sort to pass through wood another still through gold and others to go out and off through silver and through glass for we do see through some pores form and look of things to flow through others heat to go and some things still to speedier pass than others through same pores of verity the nature of these same paths varying in many modes as aforesaid because of unlike nature and warp and woof of cosmic things constrains it so to be wherefore since all these matters now have been established and settled well for us as premises prepared for what remains twill not be hard to render clear account by means of these and the whole cause reveal whereby the magnet lures the strength of iron first stream there must from off the lodestone seeds innumerable a very tide which smites by blows that air asunder lying betwixt the stone and iron and when is emptied out this space and a large place between the two is made a void forthwith the primal germs of iron headlong slipping fall conjoined in to the vacuum and the ring itself by reason thereof doth follow after and go thuswise with all its body and naught there is that of its own primordial elements more thoroughly knit or tighter linked coheres than nature and cold roughness of stout iron wherefore tis less a marvel what i said that from such elements no bodies can from out the iron collect in larger throng and be into the vacuum borne along without the ring itself to follow after and this it does and followeth on until tath reached the stone itself and cleaved to it by links invisible moreover likewise the motions assisted by a thing of aid whereby the process easier becomes namely by this 
as soon as rarer grows that air in front of the ring and space between is emptied more and made a void forthwith it happens all the air that lies behind conveys it onward pushing from the rear for ever doth the circumambient air drub things unmoved but here it pushes forth the iron because upon one side the space lies void and thus receives the iron in this air whereof i am reminding thee winding athrough the iron's abundant pores so subtly into the tiny parts thereof shoves it and pushes as wind the ship and sails the same doth happen in all directions forth from whatso side a space is made a void whether from crosswise or above forthwith the neighbor particles are borne along into the vacuum for of verity they're set a-going by poundings from elsewhere nor by themselves of own accord can they rise upwards into the air again all things must in their framework hold some air because they are of framework porous and the air encompasses and borders on all things thus then this air in iron so deeply stored is tossed evermore in vexed motion and therefore drubs upon the ring sans doubt and shakes it up inside in sooth that ring is thither borne along to where tas once plunged headlong thither low unto the void whereto it took its start it happens too at times that nature of iron shrinks from this stone away accustomed by turns to flee and follow yea i've seen those samothracian iron rings leap up and iron filings in the brazen bowls seethe furiously when underneath was set the magnet stone so strongly iron seems to crave to flee that rock such discord great is gendered by the interposed brass because forsooth when first the tide of brass hath seized upon and held possession of the iron's open passageways thereafter cometh the tide of the stone and in that iron findeth all spaces full nor now hath holes to swim through as before tis thus constrained with its own current gainst the iron's fabric to dash and beat by means whereof it spews forth from itself and through the brass stirs up the things which otherwise without the brass it sucks into itself in these affairs marvel thou not that from this stone the tide prevails not likewise other things to move with its own blows for some stand firm by weight as gold and some cannot be moved for ever because so porous in their framework they that there the tide streams through without a break of which sort stuff of wood is seen to be therefore when iron which lies between the two hath taken in some atoms of the brass then do the streams of that magnesian rock move iron by their smitings yet these things are not so alien from others that i of this same sort am ill prepared to name in samples still of things exclusively to one another adapt thou seest first how lime alone cementeth stones 
how wood only by glue of bull with wood is joined so firmly too that oftener the boards crack open along the weakness of the grain ere ever those taurine bonds will lax their hold the vine-born juices with the water-springs are bold to mix though not the heavy pitch with the light oil of olive and purple dye of shellfish so uniteth with the wool's body alone that it cannot be ta'en away for ever nay though thou gavest toil to restore the same with the neptunian flood nay though all ocean willed to wash it out with all its waves again gold unto gold doth not one substance bind and only one and is not brass by tin joined unto brass and other ensamples how many might one find what then nor is there unto thee a need of such long ways and round about nor boots it for me much toil on this to spend more fit it is in few words briefly to embrace things many things whose textures fall together so mutually adapt that cavities to solids correspond these cavities of this thing to the solid parts of that and those of that to solid parts of this such joinings are the best again some things can be the one with other coupled and held linked by hooks and eyes as twere and this seems more the fact with iron and this stone now of diseases what the law and whence the influence of bane upgathering can upon the race of men and herds of cattle kindle a devastation fraught with death i will unfold and first i've taught above that seeds there be of many things to us life-giving and that contrariwise there must fly many round bringing disease and death when these have haply chanced to collect and to derange the atmosphere of earth the air becometh baneful and lo all that influence of bane that pestilence or from beyond down through our atmosphere like clouds and mists descends or else collects from earth herself and rises when a soak and beat by rains unseasonable and suns our earth hath then contracted stench and rot seest thou not also that whoso arrive in region far from fatherland and home are by the strangeness of the clime and waters distempered since conditions vary much for in what else may we suppose the clime among the britons to differ from egypt's own where totters awry the axis of the world or in what else to differ pontic clime from gadiz and from climes adown the south on to black generations of strong men with sun-baked skins even as we thus do see four climes diverse under the four main winds and under the four main regions of the sky so too are seen the colour and face of men vastly to disagree and fixed diseases to seize the generations kind by kind there is the elephant disease 
which down in midmost Egypt, hard by streams of Nile engendered is, and never otherwhere. In Attica the feet are oft attacked, and in Achaean lands the eyes, and so the divers spots to divers parts and limbs are noxious. Tis a variable air that causes this. Thus, when an atmosphere, alien by chance to us, begins to heave, and noxious airs begin to crawl along, they creep and wind like unto mist and cloud, slowly, and everything upon their way they disarrange and force to change its state. It happens, too, that when they've come at last into this atmosphere of ours, they taint and make it like themselves and alien. Therefore, a sudden this devastation strange, this pestilence upon the waters falls, or settles on the very crops of grain, or other meat of men and feed of flocks, or it remains a subtle force, suspense in the atmosphere itself. And when therefrom we draw our inhalations of mixed air, into our body equally its bane also we must suck in. In manner like, oft comes the pestilence upon the kine, and sickness too upon the sluggish sheep. Nor aught it matters whether journey we to regions adverse to ourselves and change the atmospheric cloak, or whether nature herself import a tainted atmosphere to us, or something strange to our own use, which can attack us soon as ever it come. End of Book Six, Part Three. Recording by Daniel Vermont, Osaka, Japan.